stuff? Yeah, okay, I'll get it. Yeah, that'd be helpful. <laughs> okay, Norm was sharing this morning some things about the ministry and about being in India. We had the opportunity to spend some of the afternoon together and talk a little bit more. Hey, when you've been making trips to India, yes. has there been any challenging situations that you said we're not supposed to fear? Like um, restroom type situation. This morning we showed you the slides of the village of Tan Putnam. It's about 100 kilometers south of Chennai. I probably went to that village about first time 13, 14 years ago. And we had been traveling for a couple of hours and I was going to be preaching for a couple hours. So when we got to the village or to that place, I told the pastor I should probably go to the bathroom before I preach. So he walked over to this little shaped thing that was made out of thatch and he shook it. And uh, then he came back to me and he said, it's safe, go ahead. And I said, well, why did you shake it? He said, I want to make sure there's no cobras in the walls. So, but, uh, that, you know, God, all things work together for good. When I came back and I told my children that, my son said, Dad, you're never going to go through that again. So he built them a brick western toilet for me. He built them a little house in the back of the church area for me. And in the, some of the services when we first went through, the, a lot of the churches, because these are poor people, they had thatched roofs. So it's not unusual for a cobra to fall out of the roof during a service. So my son made sure that that church also... Okay, so what happens if a cobra drops during the church service? People just move aside, the cobra goes out, and we just go on. Has <laughs> that ever happened with children's ministries? VBS. Most of the VBS programs are outside. So the kids will all be sitting there, and all of a sudden the kids will spread apart, and a cobra will go crawling, crawling through. Cobra leaves, the kids come back, you just keep going on with VBS. You said the traffic's a little bit bizarre. What? The traffic is a little bit bizarre. You uh, called him a kamikaze, kamikaze yeah, yeah. taxi driver. How many of you know what a kamikaze pilot is? One time we were in Calcutta and we had an ex-kamikaze pilot. He's one of the survivors. He was our taxi cab driver. The, the traffic is insane. Uh, India drivers have their own verse in the Bible, even though most of them are Hindus, they don't know the verse. But it says, every man does that which is right in, in his own eyes. And that's the way they drive. Except for what gets the right of way. What gets you the right of way? Cows. Uh, a cow is sacred. Even in the cities of Bangalore, Chennai, uh, Bombay, 7 million, 8 million people, the cows have the right of way. They stop the traffic. You can be going down what they would call a freeway, and traffic would be backed up for miles because, because the cows decided to cross the highway. It's, it's, it's insane what it you, is. You said this morning that some of, the, some of the culture is that, you know, there's not real garbage dump, it just becomes whatever's in the neighborhood. My initial reaction to that is there's got to be a tremendous amount of rodents. They have rats as big as cats. We used to go walking when I was teaching in the Bible college. Dr. Chelly would say, you know I like to walk early in the morning when it's school. So I would take my torch and a couple of students would always go with me. But... The rats are as big as cats. You can see, you can hear them, put your torch over there, and that's where they are. And you can't kill them either. One of the problems is... What do you mean, what do you, mean rain, you can't kill them? They're also, they're, you're not allowed to kill rats either. They're, they're sacred? Be, they're not sacred like a cow, 
but he could still be somebody's cousin, uncle, or somebody. I don't care. <laughs> Re reincarnation is very, very real, and that's, that has come out of the caste system, and that's how they have controlled, how the elitists have controlled the lower caste people. It, because if you stay in your caste system, you follow the rules there, you don't get, try to get out of caste, you don't try to come up, Next time when you come, and there may be maybe a hundred systems within, there's five major caste systems, but there may be hundreds within each caste. And so you could be number 99 under group five, but the guy that's a hundred, he's below you. And this is one of the problems even among Christianity in the villages. Because when they get saved, because we are dealing with 5,000 years of culture. Yeah. And God has not called us to change culture. We're to preach the gospel, preach the Bible. God has to change them. But it's a big problem even in the villages because the, the, the people at 100 will have nothing to do with 99. And so what they're trying to get us to do, the pastors are trying to teach them, but what, they, what the people want us to do is build two churches, one for this group and one for, and we refuse to do it. The ground is level at the foot of the cross, amen? There's no big men, there's no little men. As our brother Bob mentioned this morning, we just yeah. all have different gifts in that yeah. sense. Okay, um, just a couple things. This morning when you were showing the pictures, I want to make sure we clarify for the people. Um, we just gave $7,200 to you. Yes. That, that which went out here a couple weeks ago, that paid for, or a couple months ago, that paid for? Laptops projectors, uh, these uh, pen drives, uh, uh, these uh, uh, my, uh, amplifiers yeah. for building Sound system, event. you said Everything well. went for equipment, especially Bibles. Okay. Every time we deal, especially with the men that, you, that this church supports, and most of them are up in, in Andhra Pradesh in the state of Telangana, every time we go there, we give the, those pastors between four and 500 Bibles. Okay. And that, all those funds okay. went for that. Um, and you said how many in total are you working with that you're helping? Forty men. Forty men. How many are we now regularly supporting? Twelve. We're supporting twelve. On a monthly basis, plus all of this equipment that you're supplying as well. So when we talk about that $100 a month, that, part of our missions budget is uh, for church national church planters, Amen. Uh, both in South America, Latin America, and in India. Yes. And so we're supporting 12 men on a regular basis every month. Every, every month. Okay. Let's do the Word of God. Okay. Okay. Well, it's good to be back with you. And again, um, you know, music is the language of the emotions. And these songs that we sing, uh, I don't know, you know, somebody said, I wish I had a Baptist head, a Pentecostal heart, and Jehovah Witness feet. <laughs> but you know, when we sing, and this music, when we come here, I wish I could record everything that you people are singing. It's, it's just, you, I, it's, to me, it's a picture of what it's going to be like in heaven. When we all gather at the feet of the Lord Jesus and these untold millions you know, and when you think about these words, the blood flowing from his side, and brother, I'm so glad that this is the man I get to sit in front of. That's why I can sing so loud. 
but I missed him tonight. But just think of what's, what it's going to be like. But anyway, take your Bibles and turn to... How many of you know what Romans 8.29 says? Well, how many of you know what Romans 8.28 says? All things work together for good to those who love God to, who, and to those who are called according to His promise, promises. But, purpose. But look at Romans, 8, Romans chapter 8 and verse 29. Well, let's read verse 28 and then verse 29. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. For whom He did foreknow, He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brethren. Let's pause for a moment of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank You again for the opportunity to stand before these dear people and to share the Word of God. We thank you, Lord, that your word is truth, that it's forever settled in heaven. And we thank you, Lord, that you've given us not only the word of God, but the spirit of God, who helps us to live a life that honors our Savior and conforms us to his image. And so, Lord, as we look at the example of the Lord Jesus, as he conformed his will and his life according to your perfect will and how the Holy Spirit wants us to make, to make us look like him, to be in his image. I pray, Lord, that our ears would be open, our hearts and our wills would be obedient, and that your will would be accomplished in each and every life. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, Psalm 119, verse 60 says, I made haste and delayed not to keep thy commandments. You know, delay is deadly in the Christian life. The Lord Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. In Luke chapter 6 and verse 46, the Lord Jesus said, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things that I say? You know, we can always find reasons to procrastinate when it comes to God's will. But the Bible teaches us through many examples that God blesses those who are eager to do his will. Really, someone has said that delayed obedience is really disguised disobedience. All of us need to make sure that we're like the Apostle Paul. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. Peter said that Jesus left us an example that we should follow his steps. And we're going to look tonight at some of the steps that the Jesus took that we're to follow all of us need to purpose in our heart that God will make us quick, first of all, to hear his word, to seek his face, to repent of our sins, to forgive others, to speak about Jesus Christ, to serve others in Jesus' name. In Matthew chapter 10, and you don't have to turn there, but in Matthew chapter 10, verse 25, Jesus said, it is enough for the disciple that he was as his master. Adoniah Judson, that great missionary to Burma, said, like Paul, I want to be like Jesus Christ. Let me ask you, as you sit here tonight, is it your overwhelming goal to be like Jesus Christ? Now, we know we're never going to be like him until we're with him. But each day that we live, the Holy Spirit is trying to make us like the Lord Jesus Christ. 
David Livingston said, my great object was to be like him, to imitate him as far as he could be imitated. We all know what the Great Commission is. Take, take your Bibles and go with me to Matthew chapter 28. We all know what the Great Commission is. Matthew chapter 28, verses 18, 19, and 20. I think most of us are probably in verse 17. Jesus is meeting with the disciples in, that, in verse 16. That the 11 disciples went away into Galilee into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But what's the next phrase? Some doubted. Can I tell you something? Our churches are full of doubting Christians. You know, Vance Havner, one of my favorite authors, and he's been in glory for a long time. He said, Christians don't lie. They just go to church and sing. Think about these songs we sang tonight. Did they speak to your heart? I wish, we, I wish as we were singing, and, and, and I love your, your music director, I really do, the simplicity, just the, just the, the, the enthusiasm, the joy about singing these songs. But I would like to just take those words and talk about the words that we sang. Do you remember these songs we sang tonight? It's all about him. Someday we're going to be with him and we're going to be like him. And this is the ministry of the Holy Spirit now. But look at what it says in verse 18. <clears throat> and Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power, all authority is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Do you believe that? <clears throat> Do you really believe that Jesus Christ has all authority in heaven and on earth? That when we go to India and these other missionaries that you support go to Spain and all Ukraine and all these other countries, that when they go, they go with the authority of the supreme ruler of this universe, the creator, the sustainer, the redeemer, you know, we don't go to India, we don't go to Myanmar to see if the gospel works. We go to India and Myanmar and these other parts of the world because we know the gospel does work. God has promised that his word will not return to him void. Vance Havner said one time, most Christians are practical atheists. We say we, we come to church and we sing these songs, we listen to the messages. Let me, let me ask you, and, and I love your pastor's preaching and teaching. To, to us, this is, this, this is a very good church, okay? But let me ask you, when you go out of here on a Sunday morning after your pastor has preached his heart, again, another saying from Vance Abner, he was pre and when he would preach, he would say this, when I'm done... Some of you are going to go out of here mad because you, haven't, you didn't like what you heard. He said, some of you are going to go out of here sad because you're trying to do your best, but you know you're not doing your best. Some of you are going to go out of here glad because to the best ability and the gifts that God has given you, you are doing what God wants you to do. But then he added this. The biggest problem is most of you will just go out. 
You came to church, you sang, you gave, you heard the message, but nothing happened. Let me, let me ask you, when was the last time that when you came to church, you were so moved by the Spirit of God taking the Word of God and applying it to your life that when you, out, when you went out, all you could think about was Him. Has that happened to you lately? This is what the Word of God is supposed to do. It's supposed to make us different. And then notice what Jesus said in verse 19. Go. The gospel is so simple that a child can understand it. Ever since the beginning of time, God's word to his people has been go. That's, that's the great commission. Just go. God's word to the lost is what? Come. The last, next to the last prayer in the Bible is even so come Lord Jesus. But even as I said, mentioned this morning, even after the tribulation, all of the horrors of the book of Revelation, the spirit and the bride are still saying come. We sit with this, that song right there, Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. That's why, we're, that's why you and I are still here. We're supposed to be doing what he told us to do, reaching and seeking the lost. Are we doing it? I have to hurry very quickly, okay? The greatest testimony you will ever bear before others is when you're like Jesus Christ. The greatest tribute you will ever receive is when you are like Jesus Christ. But what does Christ-likeness actually look like? Let me give you quickly, very quickly, a summary. Look at Christ-likeness in the gospel. This is just a summary. Go to me with the Matthew chapter. Go to me with the Matthew chapter 26 and verses 36 through 44. Matthew chapter 26, beginning at verse number 36. You know the story here. Then cometh Jesus with them unto a place called Gethsemane, and saith unto the disciples, Sit ye here while I go and pray yonder. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. And he saith unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful even unto death. Tarry ye here and watch with me. He went a little farther and fell on his face. Now notice, this is Jesus' Christ-likeness toward the Father. In verse 39, he went a little farther, fell on his face, and he prayed, saying, O my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thy wilt. And he cometh unto the disciples, finding them asleep, and he saith unto Peter, what? Could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Now look at verse 42. He went away again the second time and prayed, saying, O my Father, if this cup may not pass away from me, except I drink it, thy will be done.
So what is Jesus' relationship to the Father? Submission. You know why God's will is not being done in our life? Because we have never really submitted to his will. The Great Commission was given to all of us. You know why we don't obey the Great Commission? Because we don't obey the Great Commandment. And what is the Great Commandment? Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, with all thy strength. And you know why we don't obey the Great Commandment? Because we've never made this great commitment. Not my will, but thine be done. The Bible says God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Do we really believe that Jesus Christ died for the sins of the world? One of the problems... Then William Carey, you know all the story. By the way, William Carey influenced so many, so many others, just like the song, these men that you mentioned, and Nate Saint and, and Elliot and those guys. Think of the hundreds of young people they influenced to their death. William Carey influenced David Livingston, Adoniah Judson, Hudson Taylor, by their example, and all of those men are doing exactly what the Bible tells us to do. They submitted their wills, their lives, totally to a sovereign God. No matter if they went, it's like when John Patton went to the Hebrides. The ship captain of that ship told John Patton and his group, you don't want to go to those islands. They're going to kill you. You're going to die. You know what John Patton said? Sir, we died before we ever got on this ship. They had given their lives totally to Jesus Christ. Is God, has God changed? That's pretty weak. Only two people believe God has not changed. Has God changed? I am the Lord, I change not. Has Jesus changed? No, I say him yesterday, today, and forever. Has the Holy Spirit changed? No. He's part of the triune Godhead. None of them have changed. Has the word of God changed? No. Thy word forever is settled in heaven. Have the lost changed? No, they're just as wicked as ever. There's just more of them, and they're more open. So in this great plan of redemption that this creator God planned in eternity past, what is the one ingredient that has changed? We have. Why was this early church so powerful? Because they believed God. Because whether they lived or died, they lived to Jesus Christ. And that's why we still read the stories about the, the praying hearts and, and the Amy Carmichaels and the Judsons and the Taylors. So God, Jesus' relationship to the Father was one of submission. Go with me to Mark chapter 10, verse 45. Because in that verse alone, we see Christ's likeness 
toward others and toward himself. In Mark chapter 10, verse 45. You all know the verse, it's very familiar. Look at verse 45. For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Notice, first of all, Christ's likeness towards others in the first part of the verse. For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister or to serve. The Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, the creator, the sustainer, the redeemer, the one who came to rescue us from the pits of hell, came to serve others. Keep your hand here and go with me to John chapter 13. Again, a very familiar passage. John chapter 13, Jesus is beginning the upper room discourse before going to the cross. He, 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 while the disciples are arguing about who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom, what is the Lord Jesus doing? He's washing their feet. Their creator, their redeemer, their Lord and their master is washing their feet. And they're arguing about who's going to be the greatest. But notice, look in verse number uh, 13. John chapter 13, verse 13. You call me master and Lord, and you say, well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and master, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. Now, he's not giving them the ordinance of foot washing. He's giving them a lesson in humility and of service. But notice what he says in verse, six, uh, verse uh, 15. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done unto you. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. Now notice verse number 17. And this is where we have our problem. If you know these things, happy are you, and that's where we stop. But that's not where Jesus stopped. Jesus said, if you know these things, happy are you if you what? Do them. Can I tell you something? The Christian life is very simple. We are the ones that make it very complicated. Really, we are here to glorify God in everything that we do. Whatsoever you do in word or deed, whether whatever you eat or drink, do all to the glory of God. That's why God has created us, to glorify him. And if that's your purpose, you're becoming like Christ. Secondly, we're to share the gospel. If we don't go and tell them, who will? Nobody. Those of us that know Jesus Christ, that have been changed by his precious blood, that have eternity in heaven, what are we doing with this tremendous message? So we're to glorify God, we're to share gospel, and we're to do good to as many as we can. That's three words. Glorify God. Share the gospel, do good to others. But then you can boil it down to two words, and we sang that song tonight. What, what song did what, one of the songs we sang? Trust and what? Obey. It's that simple. If we want to become like Jesus Christ, just trust him and obey him. But then it comes down to one word, and it's found in John chapter 13, verse 17. If you know these things, happy are you if you what? That's the Christian life. Just do it. 
Does God want to use you? He wants to use you much more than you want to be used. But you have to submit your life to him like, your father, like the Lord Jesus did. You have to be willing to serve others. And then look again at Mark 10, 45. Because in the, the summary of Christ's likeness in the gospel toward himself. Look at the last part of verse 45, Mark chapter 10. For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. So it was submission toward the Father, it was service toward others, and it was sacrifice of himself. What did John the Baptist say when he saw the Lord Jesus coming? Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. In John chapter 14, verse 6, the Lord Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the, unto the Father but by me. Jesus Christ came for one purpose, to become a sacrifice for us so that we could become children of God. So the summary of Christ's likeness in the gospel, toward God, submission. Toward others, service. And toward himself, sacrifice. You know why God used these men? Because they were like Jesus Christ. Now, let me give you some specifics. I want you to go to the Gospel of John. And first of all, we're going to look at John chapter 14, verse 31. I'm very quickly going to go through the Gospel tonight, Gospel of John, and show you some specific Christ-likeness in John's Gospel. John chapter 14, verse 31. <clears throat> but that the world may know that I love the Father, as the Father gave me commandment, even so I do. Arise, let us go hence. He's now going to the cross. Jesus Christ loved God the Father supremely. Notice what he says that the world may know that I love the Father as the Father gave me commandment, even so I do. Do you love Jesus Christ? Do you love God the Father more than anything else on this earth? If you're going to become like Jesus Christ, you're going to have to love God supremely. That song that our brother sang about those five men. Can you, can, could we, I mean, we, we listened to that song and our hearts were touched and our emotions were overflowing. But do we love God that much? These men that we work with in these countries, they are willing to give their lives at any time so that others will come to know Jesus Christ. Jesus loved God supremely. Look at, he, in, in that John 14, 31, he also loved God completely. Look at the last part of verse 31. That the world may know that I love the Father as the Father gave me commandment, even so I do. Do we love God that much? Again, there's that word, do. To show his love for God completely, 
he was willing to go to the cross and on that cross the only time he ever used that phrase my God my God why hast thou forsaken me because he complete, he surrendered his will completely to the father's will he was willing to be separated from God the father so that we don't have to be if we're going to become like Jesus Christ, we're going to have to love God supremely. Or we're going to have to love him completely. Go with me to John chapter 17, verse 4. We're going to have to glorify God continually. Look at John chapter 17 and verse number 4. Father, I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. Everything that Jesus did was to glorify the Father. And the ultimate glorification was when the Father raised him from the dead. But before the, before the Father could do that, the Lord Jesus had to go to the cross. And so he glorified God continually. Let me ask you, as you go through each day, before you do anything, do you ask yourself what I'm going to say, what I'm going to think, what I'm going to do? Is it going to glorify God the Father always? Go back with me to John chapter 14, verse 9. Jesus loved God supremely. He obeyed God's word completely. He glorified God continually and he portrayed the Father accurately. Look at John chapter 14, verse 9. And look at verse number 8. Philip saith unto him, Lord, show us the Father and it suffices us. Jesus saith unto him, Have I been so long time with you and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. And how sayest thou then, show us the Father. When, when people looked at Jesus, they saw the Father. This morning I mentioned when they arrested Peter and John and they took them before the Sanhedrin, the Jewish leaders. They looked at them and they saw the boldness of Peter and John. And what's the next phrase? They took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. Let me ask you, can people look at us, our neighbors, our loved ones that are without Christ, our co-workers, whoever it is, can they look at us and we can portray God the Father accurately? Go with me to John chapter 2, verse 17. Jesus worked for the Father tirelessly. Look at John chapter 2 and verse 17. At least we're all in the same book. I'm not going back and forth. John chapter 2, verse 17. Notice what Jesus said. And the disciple, of, uh, look at verse 16. This is when Jesus, in verse 15, he took the cords, he drove the money changers out, poured over the money changers and over through the tables. Verse 16. And he said unto them that sold doves, Take these things hence, make not my father's house 
a house of merchandise. Now notice verse 17. And his disciples remembered that it was written, the zeal of thine house hath eaten me up. Jesus worked for the Father tirelessly. Look at John chapter 5 and verse 17. We're showing how Jesus, everything that Jesus did was for the Father. John chapter 5, verse 17. But Jesus answered them, My Father worketh hitherto, and I work. Now look at John chapter 9 and verse 4. We're showing how Jesus, everything, the work that he did was for the Father. John chapter 9 and verse number 4. Well, let's start at verse 1. As Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did this sin? Who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither hath this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. Now notice verse number 4. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. Jesus worked for the Father completely and tirelessly. Now go quickly with me to John chapter 17 and verse number 4. This is why the Lord Jesus could say what he did in his high priestly prayer. Father, I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. Jesus never tired about talking about the Father. We should never tire talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. We should do good to all men. We should tell them of the Lord Jesus Christ. Tell the young, tell the older, tell the sick. We're to tell everybody about Jesus Christ. We sang these songs, tell them what he's done for them, what he's done for us. Tell them over and over again. Never tire of telling people about Jesus Christ. Go with me to John chapter 4, verse 4. You know the passage very well. John chapter 4 and verse 3. He left Judea and departed again into Galilee, and he must needs go through Samaria. He sought the lost purposefully. You know, so much of our witnessing is haphazard. Let me ask you, when you leave the building tonight, if God should lead you to somebody, are you ready to witness to them? Peter tells us to, we're, ready, we're to be ready always to give an answer to any man that asks the reason of hope that lies within you with meekness and fear. Go with me to Romans chapter 1, and we'll finish with this. There's so much I could say, but my time is done. Romans chapter 1. You know why we're not ready? Because we don't look at our salvation the same way that the, the Apostle Paul did. 
Look at verse number 13. Let's look at Romans chapter 1, verse number 13. Now, I would not have you ignorant, brethren, that oft times I purposed to come unto you, but was led hitherto, that I might have some fruit among you also, even as among other Gentiles. Why was Paul, the Apostle Paul, able to bear so much fruit for the glory of God? Can I give you three reasons in the next three verses? Look at verse number 14. Paul said, I am a debtor, both to the Greeks, to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. The Apostle Paul, after he became a believer in Jesus Christ and God changed his life, Paul spent three years being trained by the Lord Jesus in the Arabian desert. Paul realized he had a debt to pay, first of all, to God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and to the lost. Because of what they had done for him, Paul had a debtor to spend the rest of his life going around the known world as he knew it then by whatever means it took so that he could share the gospel with the lost. Do you realize that you and I are a debtor to the people in the city in which we live? We are a debtor to our loved ones without Jesus Christ. We are a debtor to those that we work with that don't know Jesus Christ. We are a debtor to a sovereign God to take this knowledge, this this gospel, and share it with the lost. Secondly, Paul was not only a debtor. Look at verse number 15. Paul says, so as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you there at Rome also. Paul was a debtor, and he was ready. Let me ask you, when you leave here tonight, do you have some of these? I told you this morning, and you've heard our testimony, uh, the salvation in our family began because of this. When you go out that door tonight, will you have some of these in your pocket? Are you ready to share the gospel with somebody? If, you, if God would lead you to somebody? And then look at reason number three. Paul said, I'm a debtor both to the Greeks, to the barbarians. Paul said in verse 15, as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel. Look at verse number 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. You know why a lot of us don't share the gospel? Because we're ashamed of it. We're ashamed of what people might say about us, what they might think about us. Can I tell you something? It doesn't matter what they think about us. What matters is what he thinks about us. When Jesus hung on the cross, he was not ashamed of you. Don't ever be ashamed of him. Let me, and there's much more I could say, but let me ask you, 
Are you becoming like Jesus Christ as we've looked at the examples he gave us? Is the Holy Spirit each day that we live taking control of our wills, our lives, and making it like his? You know, we are saved to glorify God, and one of the ways we do that is by bearing fruit. Go with me very quickly to John chapter 15. On your way to John 15, stop at John chapter 10, verse 10. John chapter 10, verse 10. In John chapter 10, verse Jesus, in John 10, 10, Jesus said, The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life, they have it more abundantly. The life Jesus gives us is not only one to be saved, but it's the abundant life. How many of us are living the abundant life that Jesus talked about? You know, God never tells us to do anything without telling us how to do with it. Do it. Go with me to John chapter 15. The secret of the abundant life is very simple. It's bearing fruit. Notice what Jesus said in John chapter 15 and verse number 1. Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purges it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Look at uh, verse number 4. Abide in me, and I in you, as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself, and except it abide in the vine. No more can you, except you abide in me. Drop down to verse number 16. Jesus said, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit and your fruit should remain. The secret of the abundant life is bearing fruit. And there's all kinds of fruit, soul winning, praying, giving, singing. That's all part of the fruit he's talking about. But the secret of fruit-bearing is abiding. Notice in verse number 4. Now, I want, I'm going to read a couple of verses, and I want you to notice how many times the Lord Jesus uses the word abide. John chapter 15, verse 4. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine... No more can you except you abide in me. I am the vine, you're the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. If a man abide not in me, he's cast forth as a branch, is withered, and so forth. Look at verse number 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit, so shall you be my disciples. Verse 10. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. In those few verses, the Lord Jesus uses the word abide ten times. If you're going to bear fruit so that you can live this abundant life, 
the Lord Jesus talked about, you are going to have to abide in him through his word. You will only bear fruit for the glory of God based on the amount of time you spend in the word of God and yielding to the spirit of God. So the secret of the abundant life is fruit bearing. The secret of the fruit bearing is abiding. What is the secret of abiding? Notice what Jesus said. Go back with me to John chapter 14 and verse 15. Jesus said, if you love me, what will you do? You will keep my commandments. Look at verse 21. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me, and he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father. I will love him and will manifest myself unto him. Look at verse 23. If a man love me, he will keep my words. My Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. Look at verse 24. He that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings, and the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's which sent me. So, the secret of the abundant life is bearing fruit. The secret of bearing fruit is abiding. The secret of abiding is obeying. And what's the secret of obeying? Look at verse John chapter 14, verse 15. If you love me, keep my commandments. So the secret of obeying is loving. Now, what's the secret of loving? Go back with me to John chapter 15 and verse 14. You are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. But I have called you friends, for all the things that I have heard of my Father, I have made known unto you. You see how simple it is? The secret of the abundant life is fruit-bearing. The secret of fruit-bearing is abiding. The secret of abiding is obeying. The secret of obeying is loving. And the secret of loving is knowing. But let's go the other way. The more you love Jesus, the more you know Jesus Christ, the more you will love him. Excuse me. The more you know Jesus Christ, the more you will love him. The more you love him, the more you will obey him. The more you obey him, the more you will abide in him. The more you abide in him, the more fruit you will bear. And the more fruit you bear, the more abundant life you will live. God wants to bless us. God wants to use us. But unless we allow the Holy Spirit to make us like Jesus Christ, we will never bear fruit and we will never know this abundant life that he has promised for us to live. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. 
We thank you, Lord, that your word is truth, that it's forever settled in heaven, that it will never change. Thank you for these dear people. Thank you, Lord, for their faithfulness in attending church even this evening, on this cold evening. Father, we pray for this pastor and these dear people. We pray, Lord, that you would help them to bear much fruit in this community for your glory. That, Lord, they would be willing to share this gospel to any that you bring across their path. And, Lord, in, in the power of the Holy Spirit, they would do their best to do good to as many people as they can. So, Father, bless them, use them for your glory in all that they do. We ask this in our Savior's name. Amen. 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 We've got been challenged. We're going to encourage you this week to follow through. Hey, Norm, before you step down, got a question for you. Just hang on. Um, just follow the Lord, serve the Lord this week. We're going to pray that. Let me ask you a personal question. Um, you seem a little bit excited about serving the Lord. Amen. Just a little bit. Okay, being as young as you are, you're only, what, 40, you said? 39. 39, okay. That's okay. a lie. Okay. Um, you were just sharing with me, and I found it very challenging this afternoon. Um, for the last 15 years or so, what do you do with your family to keep them? Because a lot of them are serving the Lord. What have, anything that you've done that's been helpful for your kids, your grandkids? Well, every morning I send a devotional out to them with updates, prayer requests from our family, needs. And then I also send them to the pastors in India and Burma. But I send out a morning devotional every morning to them. To all your family? The whole family. Is it um, a passage, something that you've... You... Yeah, something the Lord has laid on my heart. I take a couple of verses, put together a little Bible challenge for them. Do the kids, grandkids, they ever respond to it? All the time. What do they ask? What do they say? Thanks for this. I needed this. Thank you, Grandpa. It was such a blessing to be today. The Lord knew I needed this. Thank you for sharing it. The reason I had, uh, thank you. The reason that I asked him to do that is sometimes it's easy for us to stand in the pulpit and just preach things, but it's another thing to really make it practical for your entire family. And sharing the Word of God with your family, with one another, can make a tremendous impact. Our greatest mission field that we have responsibility for is our family first and foremost. So getting the word to them. And I know that they're building the kingdom of God just by raising that family of how many grandkids? 38. 38. No, grandkids, 25. 25, great-grandkids. 38. Yeah, they've got their own kingdom going already. So, <laughs> But the Lord is using that, and I want, it's a good example for us to say, hey, listen, let's make an impact with our own families. Yeah reaching out to our relatives, our friends, and even trying to use modern technology keeps us in communication. Use that. Watch how God can make an impact even through you. Thanks for being here this evening. If you want to pray, you want to talk, we already did that. Um, so if, uh, if you have questions, see us afterwards. We'll see you later. God bless you.